0: Love Talk Radio. And featured in movie, three
1: magic words.
0: So oh, well, I am just, I am just thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Well, it sounds like we have a few ghosts in the background <laughs> 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 throwing what papers around and stuff. Oh my goodness! Well, it's so so exciting to have you with us. Let me tell you, um, it's it's like. Um, awakening our third eye I mean how much more excited can it be in life than to awaken uh, our third eye
0: well yes I mean the third eye is essential to spiritual development and spiritual awakening so yes it is very thrilling to talk about this subject because it really is the key to developing supersensory perception to developing our intuition to receiving divine messages from the still small voice within and many many other benefits come from awakening your third eye. Well, I didn't you know you had um, a quiz at the beginning of your book and I thought I, you know, knew quite a bit about the third eye, but uh actually after the quiz I found out I didn't.
1: <laughs> so your book <laughs>
0: So your book has so much information that uh, uh, normal people have not even um, known it was available. So this is such a great resource.
1: So maybe people need to know what is the third eye (laughs) and where is it located?
0: Right, right. Okay, so uh, we have this gross physical body that we dwell in, but we also have a subtle body. And the subtle body is sometimes called the energy field or the aura. And within the aura or energy field, we have conduits of life force energy that are flowing through specific pathways. And these pathways in Chinese medicine are called meridians. And in Ayurvedic medicine or in India, they call them Nadi, N-A-D-I. So our subtle energy, our life force energy, that which is keeping us alive is flowing through our subtle body. Now, these conduits of energy, they, they intersect each other in, and they create plexuses of energy. So these hubs or plexuses of energy is where many of these nadis uh, interconnect. And those are called chakra. Chakra is a Sanskrit word that means wheel. And so these wheels of energy or plexuses of energy, that's concentrated life force energy. And that is what is keeping your body going. It is what is keeping your heartbeat and your breath going and everything going. It's, it's what creates heat. It's what creates motion in the body. It is said in the ancient scriptures of India that when prana, or life force energy, is called prana. In India, it's called chi in China and ki in Japan. And it is said in the ancient scriptures that when prana is in the body, that is defined as life. And when prana leaves the body, that is what is defined as death. So these concentrated hubs of chronic energy, there are seven major ones, and they're called chakras, seven major chakras. And one of those major energy hubs is called the Ajna Chakra, which means command center, and that is your third eye. That's your third eye. So the third eye is located in the right in the middle of your head, actually, in the area of the pineal gland, although it does extend to, towards the front, towards the the forehead, the forehead is part of the third eye, and also to the back of the head. That's also part of the third eye. Is the third eye referred to in the the Old or New Testament of the Bible? As a matter of fact, it is referred to in both the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there was a little um, wrestle or struggle that Jacob had with an angel, and after he had that struggle uh, with the angel, he named the place where this happened. He named it Peniel, and that is a Hebrew word that means face of God, and the reason he called it Peniel is because he saw the face of God when he had this wrestle, when he wrestled with the angel, So he does refer to that. It's in Genesis 32, and it says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, face of God. For I have have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his, which means he was injured because of the wrestling with the angel. So that's where it is mentioned in the Old Testament, which is really interesting, because the face of God was seen, in the pineal, or the pineal, whatever you want to call it, and that Hebrew word means the same thing as the pineal gland, and through the pineal gland we do see the face of divine beings and deities and angels and archangels and ascended beings of light. So we do see the face of God through the pineal gland, or the third eye. And Then in the New Testament, Jesus said, the light of the body is the eye therefore if thine eye be single thy whole body shall be full of light So he was referring to the third eye there and he was also referring to thy eye be single he was also referring to the idea of focused intention uh whereby if we focus our intention on spiritual progress on God then we do awaken our spirituality
1: Susan, in the middle um of the head, you describe that as being the pineal gland, and can you describe what it looks like? I've heard it described as looking like a pine cone
0: as a matter of fact, yes, the pineal gland, which is right in the center of the head uh it appears to look like a pine cone or a pine nut. Some people say it's the pine nut, other people say it's the pine cone, and as a result of of that, because of the fact that it looks like a pine cone, there are many sacred structures throughout the world that are pine cone shaped. For example, in the uh, in, in Cambodia, in the largest religious monument of the world, which is Ungar Angkor Wat, I'm probably saying that completely wrong. Angkor Wat, which is in Cambodia, it has colossal pine cone shaped domes. And the pine cones are found uh, adorning the head of Lord Buddha, uh, which represents also the crown chakra, but it sort of looks like a pine cone or a beehive. And then the world's largest pine cone structure, which is in the Vatican's court of the pine cone, that is flanked by two peacocks and it represents resurrection and immortality. And also, strangely enough, the staff that they hope holds and that he walks with, the staff, has a pine cone on the top. So it's you know, it's very uh very well known to the Vatican. In addition, the ancient Greeks they used something uh the the uh, wasn't the ancient Greeks but their gods. Their gods had a wand or a staff called a thyrsus, and that was wielded by Dionysus, the fertility god, who's also known as Bacchus in Rome. And his followers, the satyrs and the mayonnaise. So they all killed the thyrsus. Yes? Susan? Yes.
1: Susan, I can hear you. Yes. Okay.
0: Oh, I will, I'll, call, I'll call back in. I'll hang up and call well, back I can, in. I can hear her,
1: Taz. I yeah, can we hear can, her. Yeah, we can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay, face.
0: so did you hear me describe the thyrsus, which is the wand of the ancient Greek god? Yes. Yes,
1: you
0: did here. Okay. Great. So that therisus is is made of a giant fennel plant, a stalk of fennel plant, and it's twined with ivy and it's decorated with a ribbon and it's topped with a pine cone. (laughs) Uh, It sounds (laughs) like the third eye is uh, in every religion. Well, in many religions, yes. As a matter of fact, the ancient Assyrians also, they had something called a genie. And the genie wields the pine cone as well. And he is anointing. We see him in various uh, sculptures. He's anointing. I don't know who he's anointing, but he's got a pot of, of oil. And he's using the pine cone to anoint whoever with that oil. So, it's yeah, the pine cone is really a very sacred symbol. And it does represent the pineal gland. That's why it's called a pine eel gland <laughs> pine eel. <laughs>
1: well, so delicate is 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 the health of the body um propelled by the pineal gland, or um, can you say a little bit about that?
0: The pineal gland is uh is a very mysterious gland according to western medicine okay. <laughs> Uh, it produces. They only know that it produces serotonin and it produces melatonin, and it regulates the cycles, uh, the light and dark cycles, which means it has the ability to detect light. As a matter of fact, in uh, infants, in in not infant but fetus, in the fetus in the human fetus, the pineal gland has photoreceptor cells. Uh, not in the adult human, but in many other. Uh, vertebrates, the pineal gland does have photoreceptor cells. But it's obvious that the pineal gland is able to detect light because otherwise melatonin would not uh, melatonin is only produced in the dark and serotonin is only produced in the daytime, uh in, with the pineal gland from the pineal gland. Well that
1: must be now affect okay, the harm. so what
0: you're asking is uh Yes, the agya chakra, uh, that chakra is called the command center because it commands all the other chakras. And as a matter of fact, the glands that are in the head, like the pineal pituitary, hypothalamus, thalamus, they do command the entire endocrine system, which is the system that's running your body. So, yes, it is the command center. Wow. Is there a way that we can keep the command center healthy? Good question. Well, that's a really good good question because the good, th- the good news is that the command center or agya chakra is in your subtle body, not in your gross physical body. If we were completely dependent upon the pineal gland, then we would be in trouble because the pineal gland throughout life calcifies. In uh, small children, the pineal gland is nice and clear and clean and pristine And functioning great but then as we age uh, the pineal gland calcifies due to many toxins in our environment including the fluoride that's in our water and GMO foods and other poisons in our atmosphere but the good news is that we're not dependent upon our gross physical body for spiritual awakening and enlightenment Uh, it really it doesn't matter if the pineal gland is calcified so much, uh, what matters is that we awaken that subtle energy, that life force energy, and the specific life force energy called kundalini, which flows up through the center of the spine, uh, through a particular nadi called sushumna nadi, and that goes all the way to the third eye and beyond. And when we awaken that subtle energy, then we're awakening all the chakras and we're becoming more and more spiritually awake, and also we develop supersensory perception. We develop uh, grace powers, and and we become more attuned to spirit. So that's really our goal. Uh, It's more about spirit than about the uh, physical constitution of the pineal gland itself. So meditation is a really key factor here, I would think. Yes, in my opinion, meditation is the most important key factor, but that's just my opinion on the subject. However, in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, I give many, 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 many techniques for awakening the third eye. Meditation is one of those techniques. It's an important technique, but there are many others, uh, including uh, yoga asanas, which are yoga postures, pranayama, which means yoga breathing, specific kind of breathing. Also, Uh, the Bandhas, which are muscular locks, specific yogic muscular locks, and also the Mudras, which are specific gestures. Also, I teach the microcosmic orbit, which is a Taoist method that's really important for awakening third eye. And also I teach Trataka meditation, which is about uh, gazing, gazing at a candle, gazing at the sky, at, at the moon, at the horizon, a mirror gazing, gazing into your own reflection in a mirror, uh, gazing at the face of a divine being through a photo, uh, many different ways to use Trataka meditation that's mostly defined as candle gazing, but there's many different methods in Trataka. So these are just some of the techniques that I teach in the book. I teach a lot more than that, actually. There's a lot in this book, Awaken Your Third Eye, for helping you to actually develop your third eye.
1: So, anyone can open his or third uh his or her third eye then is that correct?
0: Yes, and as a matter of fact, everyone who's listening on this call already has the third eye awakened to some degree because uh people listening, I'm sure that if you when you first meet somebody, you immediately can sense something about that person. You might feel that person is uh seems to be closed off or angry or that person seems to be really open hearted. A person seems to be really happy or that person seems defensive or cold or uh, perhaps a person is really sad. You can just sense the emotions around a person. Or when you walk into an environment or into a building, you can immediately sense the vibrations. If you go into a nursing home or a prison or a bar or a police station, or a, a hospital, you're going to notice a certain vibration in there, and it just feels dense. It feels like you don't want to stay there. It's a, it's dense. And then you go to another place, like a spiritual place, maybe outside in nature, walking along a beautiful stream, looking at a beautiful mountain, or in a beautiful uh, sacred space, a vortex, spiritual vortex, or perhaps a, a religious place. You're going to sense a really lifting high vibration. So that tells me that you have this this clairsentience already developed to some degree, which means your third eye is already open to some degree.
1: So our third eye, is it hooked up to our intuition?
0: Uh, I'm sorry, is it what to our intuition?
1: Is it hooked what up it to say? our intuition?
0: Oh, absolutely, yes. The third eye is the center of your intuition. It is the place or the center in your subtle body where intuition resides. So when you are receiving messages from the still, small voice of God or from your higher self or from a divine being, you are receiving that in the third eye area. So yes, it's very much hooked up with intuition. I know sometimes sometimes when... um, I'm doing meditations or working on uh, my intuition, I can feel my head expand. I mean, that's like a pressure Mm -hmm. around my head. Is that the third eye expanding? It could be, or it could be what I call a spiritual signal, a special signal that's sent to you by a specific divine being who wants to say, hi, I'm here, and showing you its identity badge. So we get these identity badges from divine beings. They tell us that they're here by giving us specific signals. And those signals are received in one of six ways. Seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, feeling, or getting a body movement. So if you're often getting that experience that you just described, it's probably one of your signals. So when you get that signal, ask for the name. Ask for, say, oh hi, I'm getting this experience of the expansion in my head uh, what is your name can you please give me your name and then ask them do you come in the name of God you know, and what is your name and if this is your signal feed it stronger to me now so then you'll be able to identify certain divine beings and know who they are and what signal they're giving you because each divine being that you contact will give you a different specific
1: signal that you can recognize what about uh high pitched noises in the ear?
0: Mm-hmm. Most likely that's tinnitus, but it's possible that it is a also a signal from a divine being. But in most cases it's not. In most cases it's the uh hearing a uh, problem in the ear. How
1: now, can Dr. you tell sorry. Oh, go ahead. How can you tell whether or not intuition is real?
0: That's a really great question that you're asking, and it takes three and a half hours for me to answer that question. Therefore, unfortunately, I won't be able to do that in this little interview. But I will tell you that in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, I have an entire chapter that answers that question. And uh, the name of the chapter is uh, Navigating the Inner Realms Safely. So because because of the fact that there's four different places that you might be getting your messages from, namely the spiritual world, the mental world, the astral world, or the environmental world, because there are these four places that you might receive your messages from, it's very important that you learn how to receive your messages only from the spiritual world, because that is faith, and that is true, and you're going to get genuine divine messages from uh, the spiritual world. Whereas if you are not mindful, and if you might tap into these other realms such as your own mind, your wishful thinking, an entity from the astral world. There's a lot of different places that you might get messages from or sort of the uh, also the beliefs of humanity, you know, that are floating around. So all of these are not from the spiritual world. So it's important that we learn how to tell the difference between that true divine voice and other voices in our mind and I have an entire 10-test system for that, which is in the book, Awaken Your Third Eye, and it's called Navigating the Inner Realm Safely.
1: So we can ask specifically that that we go and, and accept messages from one area. Is that correct?
0: Yes, you certainly can. However, uh, yes, you can call upon a divine being by name. You can ask that the message only comes from the spiritual world. You can ask, do you come in the name of God? There's certain questions you can ask. However, I recommend you use all ten tests. There are ten tests to help you to test the authenticity of the inner message. And as I said, you can learn about those in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye. Great. Now Doctor Susan, I um sometimes when I close my eyes to when I go to bed at night and I close my eyes just before I go to sleep all these faces start coming in. Like, are those deities? Okay, so how do you feel when you see the faces? Do they Are they giving you an energizing experience? Are you feeling lifted? Are you feeling more elated? Or is it kind of scary and creepy? No, no, it makes me feel good. I just see them coming okay. in and, yeah. And Wonderful. Every one, and every once in a while uh, there will be Jesus but, floats through very good and and, very good there's a lot of there's a lot of deities that i don't know who they are so okay so all right so this is my uh advice for that so the entire premise of everything i teach is one thing and that is ask and it shall be given unto you so when you get the signal by the way those those pictures you're seeing in your head or in your third eye or in your inner mind uh your mind's eye whatever you want to call that when you see those pictures when you see the picture of a deity or or an unknown being, uh, ask for the name. You know, ask and it shall be given unto you. So when you get a signal, ask for the name. When you get a name, ask for the signal. When you get the name and the signal, ask for the message or ask a question so that you will get the message. Asking oh, and, and it is given unto you. It's all done by asking. Thank you. Now, yeah. uh, is the eye, the eye of Horus, does that have anything to do with the third eye? As a matter of fact, it does. The eye of Horus is a representation of the third eye, and that is a symbol from ancient Egypt. Uh, what happened was Osiris, who's the god of the sky, he, uh, he died, and uh, his son Horus, and his brother Seth, uh, the brother of Osiris Seth, who is Horus's uncle, uh, they had a fight. Seth and Horus had a fight, and during the fight, the eye of Horus, the left eye of Horus, was torn to pieces, and Seth lost his testicles in the battle. Okay, so then the uh, magic god of magic, Thoth, or Thoth, or however you pronounce that, he. Came along and he restored the eye and made it whole again. Then Horus gave this whole eye to his father Osiris, and Osiris ate it. And as a result of that, Osiris became the king of the underworld. So the eye of Horus represents wholeness, completeness, oneness, you know, restoration to perfection, and so on. And it does represent the third eye because the third eye represents all these things also. There's, there's a lot of um, stories about the third eye, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For example, the ancient <laughs> Greek story of Polyphemus. When when Homer decided that he would uh, go on his long voyage, he ended up on an island where he was captured by this giant who had a third eye, and, uh, and then the giant proceeded to eat several of Homer's crew, And then Homer got the giant drunk and then used a firebrand in the giant's third eye and ended up being able to escape, barely escape with his wife, he and and the rest of the men that were still alive. So I believe that this story is an allegory about the third eye and what can happen if you misuse your spiritual powers. If you misuse your spiritual powers, then you're basically a monster, actually. (laughs) You become a monster. What is um, the dog star, and how is that related to the third eye? Oh, the dog star, yeah. Uh, The dog star is Sirius, and Sirius is the most sacred symbol according to Masonic Lodge, the Masons. And it represents... um, Represents the third eye. So uh, Sirius is more than 20 times brighter than our sun. It is known as the dog star. It is the brightest star in the sky. Uh, that's excluding planets, obviously. The brightest star in the sky, right? And in ancient civilizations, Sirius was a really important to astronomy and mythology and the cult. And it is said to be the sun behind the sun, And the true source of the sun's potency, it was considered the light that keeps the spiritual realm alive. And they call it the true light shining in the east, spiritual light. It is associated with the pineal gland. It is a source of spiritual light in the body. It is the eye of wisdom. And it is, by the way, supposed to be the habitation of the ascended beings of light, of ascended masters and beings of
1: light. Wow. (laughs) Dr. Susan, you have had such an incredible path. Can you kind of step back and, I mean, did this path begin for you when you were younger or is it something that came to you when you were in your 20s or so?
0: Well, I was about 18 years old. I was a hippie. It was the 60s. I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And probably your listeners don't realize this, but those of us who were hippies, who were flower children, that's what I was, we were really, really serious about developing our spirituality. We were really uh, trying, seeking knowledge about Eastern wisdom. So I was reading the Buddhist scriptures. I was reading Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. I was reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead. I was reading Alan Watts books, The Way of Then and other books, and I noticed that in Alan Watts' books, he said that in order to develop spiritually, you have to find a meditation guide. Well, in 1966 in Berkeley, California, you didn't go to the yellow pages and look up meditation guide or anything remotely similar to that. Uh, today we have yoga, you know, studios on every corner. We have martial arts everywhere. You know, we have everything. We have esoteric information proliferating all over the internet. It's a whole other world now. But okay, so meditation guide did not exist. So I asked my roommate, how do I find this meditation guide? And he said, well, have you ever tried to meditate on your own? And I said, well, no, uh, but I'll give it a shot. So I lay down on my bed. I did not even know that you're supposed to sit up when you meditate. So I lay on my bed and I sort of prayed for or asked for a meditation. I had no clue what I was doing. Absolutely no clue. But I um, immediately I was propelled into this ecstatic state. I felt a cord or rush of energy rushing from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. I felt that I was plugged into an electric socket, but in a very ecstatic way. And and so this, this energy was just rushing up through my body. And I figured, well, I guess this is meditation. You know, little did I know that I had just not only had my first meditation experience, but also my kundalini awakening all at the same time. So it was a very powerful experience. And not long after that, A friend took me to the Meditation Center, the Transcendental Meditation Center, where I saw the picture of the guru on the wall, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And uh, soon after that, found myself in India on the banks of the Ganges River studying with him. I remained in his ashram for 22 years, and I was on his personal staff for seven of those years. Wow, Uh what an experience. It was, yeah.
1: What was that like being in the ashram, for so long?
0: It was a combination of heaven and hell. It was heaven when I had the incredible spiritual experiences and uh, when the guru was, uh, was shall we say, uh, he was radiating spiritual energy and I was being hit with that spiritual energy, shall we say. I don't know how else to describe that. Uh, Some people call that Shaktipat. He does not call it that. He never called it that. So that was heaven. And then the hell part was when he was reducing your ego to uh, the size of a mite, which he did on a regular basis. It's all part of the process of traditional ashram life with an Indian guru. Their their purpose, their plan is for you to become spiritually awakened. In order for you to become spiritually awakened, the false ego or the false beliefs about yourself have to be, they have to go, basically. They have to be cleansed, shall we say. So that's not the fun part. <laughs> but were there times that you wanted to get up and leave? <laughs> never. Absolutely never. never.
1: No. Uh, Dr. Susan, but it was, you
0: know. But I, I have to say it was very intense. It was an intense emotional experience, extremely intense. Every day was extremely intense.
1: Sometimes at the present time, because of the way the planets are moving, I think a lot of people are also being shown as if they were before a guru. When yes. some of the, the powerful knockdown um situations arrive right now i'm i'm seeing that in many people and yes. i i you know you might describe it as hell but i think what happens is uh, it's like a light shines in those areas and you get to see a part of you that you've not been able to see before and it's really an aha moment and it really is a blessing Exactly.
0: Yeah, every one of these experiences is a great blessing because it's spiritually every, you know, it's another step up the ladder, shall we say, in our own personal spiritual growth. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the inner guru, by the way, is just as effective as the outer guru. And the inner guru is your own higher self and God within you and, and that will show you the way. Uh, When you connect with spirit, when you connect with your own divine intuition, that still small voice within you, then the inner guru comes into play and you are being guided by that inner guru if if you're willing. If you're willing to be guided by that inner guru and to follow the advice that the inner guru gives you, to follow the pathway that the inner guru is showing you, then you're going to uh, make leaps and bounds in your spiritual progress.
1: Well, it's well, like I'm feeling a- very, very graced when that happens. It's like, thank you for allowing me to, to learn in this fashion, exactly. Um, instead of being knocked down, drag you know, and dragged. <laughs> so it's well, really kind let- of a.
0: Let's everybody know because sometimes we forget get to mention our guest's name throughout our uh, interview. So, uh, our guest is Dr. Susan Shumsky, S. Yes. H-U-M-S-K-Y. And her uh, website is www.divinerevelation.org. And her newest book is Awaken Your Third Eye, How Accessing Your Sixth Sense Can Help You Find Knowledge, Illumination, and Intuition." So I just wanted to let people know.
1: Paula, you know what, I I noticed that um, also if you just put in drsusan.org. Um, it also goes over to Divine Revelation in case people don't remember that aspect of it. So it's drsusan.org, uh, which is kind of a short short uh, shot over. That one. <laughs> I thought I'd put that in, uh, Susan. So um, well,
0: Can yeah. prayer and affirmation help us open our third eye? Uh, Say that again, affirmations? Yes. As a matter of fact, in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, I have an entire chapter of wonderful affirmations to help you awaken your third eye. If you like, I can uh, read one of those affirmations now, if you think your listeners might enjoy that. Okay. Would you like that?
1: Yes, sure. Go ahead. Great.
0: So what I'll do is what's called the third eye invocation. That's what I call it in the book. So it goes like this. So why don't we all just close our eyes, just take a big deep breath, breathe in, let it go, and just close our eyes and just just relax, let go. All right. I let go and let God fill my third eye with the brilliance of God's light. I call upon all the divine beings of light who come in the name of God to now fill my third eye with radiant blessings. I call forth the beautiful Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth and wholeness, to shine forth your beautiful glowing white fire, to now fill and purify my third eye with blazing white light. I call forth radiant Saint Germain, to now fill my third eye with your violet consuming flame, to cleanse, heal, and purify my third eye, and to lift its vibration to the highest spiritual vibration that I can comfortably enjoy at this time. I call forth brilliant Jesus the Christ to now fill my third eye with your dazzling golden light of the Christ consciousness and to blaze that scintillating golden light through every atom of my body and subtle bodies on all levels, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and material, I call forth Kuan Yin and Mother Mary to shine a beautiful sparkling pink light to now infuse and permeate my third eye with divine radiance, softness, gentleness, peace, love, compassion, strength, and wisdom. I call upon Lord Buddha to now vibrate the light of wisdom upon my third eye to allow me to attain spiritual enlightenment and freedom from the wheel of samsara. I invoke Mahamuni Babaji, the immortal sage, to now blaze forth with glory, your resplendent clear light of enlightenment, to lift, heal, cleanse, and transform my third eye. I ask Babaji to now penetrate and suffuse my third eye with the pure, clear light of enlightenment, opening me to realize the supreme truth, allowing my spiritual eye to see the and lifting my vibration to the highest state of consciousness that I can comfortably enjoy at this time. I call forth all the divine beings of light who come in the name of God to now lift me into a new consciousness where I now see the truth, know the truth, and live the truth. Thank you, God, and so it is.
1: It's beautiful. You know, Dr. Joe Vitale, we've had him with us. He's author of Zero Limits. And he describes uh, Dr. Susan's book in the following way. He said, some books entertain while a few others awaken. It's rare to find one that does both. Susan Chumke's Awaken Your Third Eye illuminates. The field-proven methods, It reveals can help you open your third eye, the source of power, intuition, and wisdom, which can transform you from a spiritual caterpillar to an enlightened butterfly. I thought that was beautiful what he wrote for you.
0: Yeah, it's it's lovely. Yeah, He's great. I like Joe. Yeah. Now, uh, married women in India, I mean the Hindus, with the married women, they put the red dot in the third eye. Is there? Does this mean that women are have the wisdom? Well, actually, uh, it's traditional that only married women women would wear the dot in the center of their forehead. Uh, but uh, actually, now in modern days, uh, all women of all ages wear the third eye. They wear a, what's called call it Uh Often they, they paste it on. It's not necessarily the kum, kum powder, but they do paint the third eye, uh, representation of the third eye in the center of their forehead. Uh, for married women, usually that uh, red powder goes in the, in their part, uh, in their hair, the part uh, near the forehead. I just wondered if this was uh, their religion, with religion recognizing that women do have... Um, wisdom um, Actually it's not just for, women that wear the tea that have the log. I mean they wear it for decoration. But if, okay. if there's a spiritual ceremony, the men will have the dot on their third eye also uh with the kumkum kum powder. When they go to the temple, the priest will put the uh, the kumkum kum on the in the center of the forehead, which represents the third eye. Definitely is a representation of the third eye. Yes. have you uh have you ever gone to a um a hindu ceremony or um i went one time and it's it was marvelous mm-hmm. yes i've been to many 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 many, many, many hindu ceremonies uh, in many <laughs> different temples throughout the world uh in india specifically and also in the united states yes i've gone to many hindu Ceremonies and temples and, and so forth. And yes, there's an amazing spir- spiritual vibration and a lifting vibration that happens in the Hindu ceremony. And I recommend the people, you know, if you're open-minded enough, you know, go to one and you might enjoy it. I know. we should uh, explore and expand. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I, I just want to let people know that your website is really incredible. Um, it has not only Awaken the Third Eye, but other, all your other books, and it describes them. Um, you have many, many things going on, uh, tours and um, classes and speaking engagements and um, re- retreats, you know, workshops, it's really impactful. I don't know how you do it, frankly. Um, <laughs> I, don't I, don't like I don't
0: either, frankly.
1: <laughs> I hope it's you have sleep. some help. I, I, yeah, no,
0: I'm in good health. I'm in great health. So the thing yeah. is that, yes, uh, on my website you're going to find the first chapter of all my books. You can read the first chapter of every book. You can listen to teleseminars. You can listen to radio interviews. You can read articles. So, and you can also get products. You can get physical products, downloadable products. There's a lot of things on that website at drsusan.org. Then I have another website. It's called divinetravels.com. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-S dot com. That's plural on Divine Travels. There's an S on the end of it. So divinetravels.com, that's where you can find out about the Amazing tours to sacred places and different seminars and retreats and so forth that I'm doing at any given time. It's always changing, so it's a good idea to subscribe there because then you'll be notified of future events. Uh, I have cruise ship seminars coming up. Uh, I have amazing seminars with really a lot of famous speakers and authors come to these and speak at these. So we do a lot of different things, and also we go to sacred places throughout the world, including Machu Picchu in Peru and India and just different places. So you can check out com. When do you have plan to sleep? <laughs> oh, well, I do sleep. I mean, but I don't sleep a whole lot, lot of hours. I don't really feel the need for it. So I'm I'm happy for that. I'm grateful that I don't need too much sleep. So then I can get, get more done and reach more people.
1: What's been the most exciting adventure you have experienced that comes to your mind at this time that you can share with our listeners?
0: Yeah, the most exciting experience that comes to my mind is the inner experience, the experience of awakening, the experience of the ecstatic union with the divine presence. That to me is the, my most fun experience. So I really enjoy communing with spirit. Uh, closing my eyes, taking a few deep breaths, getting quiet and still and centered and balanced, and calling upon divine beings of light and asking them to come and uh, and talk to me and uh, and give me answers to my questions and lift me. And, and they always have some really enlightening message to tell me every time I do meditate with the divine beings. And so that's my most extraordinary adventure is the inner adventure. Although I've been all over the world and traveled in so many different amazing places. And of course I love to travel, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. But I have to say that the supreme experience is the experience within of the divine presence. And that's what I i would hope and pray that every one of the listeners here would aspire to is that experience, because that's the ultimate goal of life anyway, so why not just find it? (laughs) Why not just do it?
1: You wrote the book, Awaken the Third Eye, and when you wrote that book, is there anything in that book that you did not anticipate happening when you wrote it?
0: Yes. uh, One chapter of the book, which I did not intend to put in there, was I gave uh, the readers the key to the Yoga Sutras. The Yoga Sutras, uh, that's an ancient scripture of India written by a sage named Patanjali. And many people read the yoga, yoga Sutras, are very famous, because they are the keys to yoga, yoga meaning union of the individual spirit with universal spirit. Yoga does not mean an exercise in a gym on a mat. It means union... Union of individual spirit with universal spirit, union with God. Okay, so the Yoga Sutras are about how you attain supernormal powers like um, walking on water, flying, disappearing, uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, uh, disappearing, uh, becoming very large, very small, uh, being in two places at once. There's a lot of different what we call supernormal powers that are in that book, and it teaches a technique, a meditation technique for attaining these supernormal powers and ultimately for attaining freedom from this world of complete spiritual awakening and enlightenment. But no one can figure out how it works because it's written in such a way that you can't understand understand it. Well, what I did... In my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, I teach you how to do this method called Sanyama that's taught in the book, the Yoga Sutras, so that you can use this ancient method to develop your supersensory perception or your, oh, people call it ESPs, but that's a misnomer because extrasensory perception is incorrect because you cannot have any experience without the senses. So uh, I call it, uh, inner sensory perception or uh, super sensory perception or subtle sensory perception, that's what I call it. So it, the yoga sutras help you devel- to develop that. And I teach, I give you the key of how that works and how you do that actual meditation practice that they call sanyama in the yoga sutras. So I do reveal that in the book and I definitely was not expecting to do that.
1: So this is related to the third eye?
0: it Completely. Because your supersensory perception or subtle sensory perception, that is located in your third eye. That's where you're going to see, hear, and feel with your subtle senses. That's where you're going to develop a clairvoyance, clairaudience, and clairsension. Your third eye, that's where it is.
1: I've had ex- an experience in the past where... Um, I've been in meditation or just awakening in the morning prior to the eyes being opened. Something has become before my sight, and uh, it's like a reading page, Or, uh, and I've said, I can't see that. I need to bring it in closer. And it's like a magnifying glass, or it's like a zoom lens, like it zooms in and I'm able to, to read. Is this part of that?
0: Yes, that would be clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. That's a clairvoyant okay. experience, yes.
1: Okay. Very interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. It's probably a message from spirit, from the divine voice within you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, um, it's getting close to the ending of this divine interview we've had with you. Is there a last message that you want to send to the our listening audience? Yes. Uh, as I was mentioning before, the most important thing you can do with this life is to realize God. Uh, that is the key accomplishment in your life in any lifetime that you have. So, Uh, You might be seeking other things in this life, but in fact, underlying all that seeking is the desire to know God and to realize God. And what do I mean by realizing God? Well, it really means realizing who you really are, realizing the self, realizing your true self, discovering your true nature of being. So I highly, uh, I urge everyone listening here to... Start on a pathway of developing your spiritual self, whether that's through meditation, through some of the techniques in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, or some of my other books. Could be prayer, could be affirmation, could be meditation, could be other spiritual practices. I just recommend that you that you do what feels right to you, that you find a spiritual practice that feels good and right to you, and that you stick with it that you don't just um, become like a butterfly flitting from one guru to the next. Stick with the practice that works for you and continue to do it and go deep, 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 deep into that. So um, I really recommend that people go deep and, and not just take superficial information and just read this book and this book and this book and just reading books one after the other I recommend that you practice, that you do spiritual practice, not just reading. And that's the way that you're going to realize who you really are. That's the way through meditation, through actual spiritual practices, that's how you get the experience of the divine presence. So I urge everyone to make that number one priority in your life. And uh, that's what I teach in my books, and I hope that you will follow
1: some of the practices that I recommend in my books. Dr. Susan Chumsky, thank you for your deep inner journey taken um so as to create a much deeper and emotional physical wholeness to to support others uh in theirs. We we really bless um mm-hmm. your continued journey and and thank you for supporting our listeners and us today. That's really and beautiful. We suggest-
0: we suggest that uh, our listeners go to uh to look at her other books. I mean, you have 11 books and all, right? Yeah,
1: uh, 12. Uh, I will have 12. 12
0: uh, in the, I mean, coming out this this year. There will be 12, yeah. Oh, I oh you, have
1: you. you have a new a book, one. You have a new book, coming
0: out. It's called Awaken Your Divine Intuition, yeah.
1: Fantastic. So let us know when you're... Uh, When you're there, and um, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about your new one.
0: Okay, great. Well, I'm sure uh, the publicist will contact you for sure. Okay. Well, thank you for all your great work. I mean, you're wonderful. Thank uh, you so much for inviting me. I really was a delightful time that we've had this last hour. I really appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: God bless. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. Thank you.
1: That was quite a journey by uh, Dr. Susan Chinsky. Don't forget our guest does not necessarily represent the opinions of KKUP staff management or any of your affiliates. And KKUP is, wow, it has really brought you such incredible ways of looking at life in great music. We're known as a uh, collective commercial-free radio serving the South Bay through the Monterey Bay area since 1972. And uh, we appreciate all your donations. It really helps us keep on air. You're the ones that keep us going. And uh, we love sharing and making your day really making your day. Thank you also for connecting with Paula and I, we enjoy reading the emails that you bring back to us. Our website is tazandpaulashow.com. My first name is spelled T like Tom, A like Apple, Z like Zebra. And the word and is spelled out, so it's tazandpaulashow.com. And in a couple of minutes, we are going to have um, African Jamal Davis with us with Jazzline, where he will really flood the next hour or two with music that is going to make you want to dance or just lay back and relax and, and enjoy in the meantime I'm going to pop in a little bit of music thank you for being with us we appreciate you so and next Thursday we'll return with another great program